Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think a wall is essential. However, it is not sufficient. Wow, I'm going to vote for him. I mean, if he's trying to deport 11 million people, are you going to be stopping me every day? Do I fit the profile and I'll be stopped everywhere I go? Welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Countdown podcast. I'm Dimitri Sevastopoulos. And I'm Courtney Weaver. Uh, we took a few weeks off for the summer, but we are back and we will have a new podcast each week from now until Election Day on November 8th, where we will be making sense of campaign issues. So we hope you tune in. Those voices you just heard are from three ranchers who live along Arizona's border with Mexico, Nohe Garcia and Sue and Jim Chilton. And the cicadas were singing gladly over at the Chilton's ranch. Uh, they've all voted Republican traditionally, but they have very different ideas about securing the U.S. border with Mexico. My father was a U.S. citizen. We always lived in Mexico, but he was a U.S. citizen. So it was very easy for him to bring us to this side. People's going to suffer. We build a wall and we stop trade. People will suffer. Price, prices will go higher. It, it doesn't make sense. We need a wall. We need roads. We need the Border Patrol at the international boundary. And that's the common sense any rational person who wanted to solve the problem of ISIS coming into the country, bad guys, repeat offenders, real criminals coming into the country. That's the way you do it. So, Dimitri, you obviously just went to Arizona a few days ago. Uh, and one thing I've been struck by just talking to you about your trip um, you know, immigration has been such a key issue of the election. And yet I think people don't really have a clear understanding of what the border actually looks like and, and where the truth lies. You know, we hear such different versions from Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. So can you just describe what does it look like down there, actually? Yeah, and that was new for me, too, because I had no idea what it looked like either. So basically, we went to a town called Nogales, which is in southern Arizona on the border with Mexico. Um, there's about a six or seven mile wall already in place uh, that passes through the town. Um, but most other parts of the border, there's actually just barbed wire. So on some of these ranches that we visited, you could literally cross over into Mexico and cross back into the U.S. Wow. And no one would even know. And I think one of the things I, I was also struck by was, you know, there's been such a big focus on illegal immigration, but not as much about the illegal drug trade. And, I, and talking to you, it seems like that was one of the big issues you heard from the ranchers. It was. So Jim Chilton, who's this fifth generation rancher who took us around his ranch and we spent a lot of time with him. Uh, he said illegal immigration is not the big problem right now. If you look at the statistics, the number of people who get apprehended coming across the border has really plummeted over the last five to ten years. But at the same time, the amount of drugs, heroin, meth, marijuana that's being seized by Border Patrol agents has really gone up. And a lot of these people, they're not coming through the ports necessarily. They're crossing branches like Jim Chilton's where it's pretty hard for the border control people to get there because there aren't all roads. Mm -hmm. So you have this amazing kind of drug trafficking going back and forward. And he even showed us uh, video footage from motion sensor cameras that he has on his land 
of drug mules coming across his land. He says it happens every day, basically. Yeah, and you were saying he has a collection of moccasins in his house? Yes, he has an amazing ranch house, and in the kind of the patio leading up to the front door, there's this collection of moccasins, and basically the soles are covered with carpet because the drug mules then won't be traced. They don't leave a trace in the dirt in the desert. And what was interesting was that there was almost like a year-by-year change in fashion. So some of the older ones were just kind of one solid color. The more recent ones are kind of khaki camouflage. Mm-hmm. And so you see how the things change by the seasons and how the drug cartels change their technology to stay ahead of the U.S. authorities. It's so fascinating, and it's such obvious a different story than what we've been hearing from Trump when he's on the campaign trail in the Midwest, for instance, or in Pennsylvania, and he's talking about you know how illegal immigration has taken all these jobs. Um, so it's interesting to see kind of where the truth lies. Exactly, and even Jim Chilton, I mean, why he actually supports the wall, um, but for the drug reason. But you know, he provides water for the illegal immigrants crossing his land because while the, the, it, it's still happening, nobody wants any of these people to die, whether they're crossing illegally or not. So it's mm-hmm. it's a really fascinating place, and it's very different from what you hear Trump saying in places like Iowa. Yeah, much more nuanced. So moving on uh, to taking a broader look at the election, August was a bit slower. Hillary Clinton was jetting between fundraisers and on Martha's Vineyard and the Hamptons. And this week seemed to herald the official beginning of the election season. She has unveiled a new campaign plane where she is actually taking questions from reporters, which is a nice change. They had their first town hall in New York uh, on Wednesday night. Well, hold on. Before we talk about the town hall, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. You buried the lead here. So you were actually up in Martha's Vineyard with Clinton uh, a few weeks ago when she was doing her fundraising. What is it like trailing around after Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail? So that's a great question. Uh, and I've been asked it a lot of times. And so I think now she's obviously trying to project herself as a different candidate and one who has a very different relationship with the press. But going to these fundraisers with her, I mean... It was really this weird, weird scenario where you're you're following her, you know, to all these different events, these different parties, uh, and you get you were getting basically no access to the candidates. So um, the campaign would bring us to these fundraisers, but then we would stay on the guest houses of these very opulent properties. Uh, you know, we'd we'd see her, we'd try to shout questions at her, uh, and she wouldn't even wave back to us. Um, and there have been a lot of complaints about this in the media, and the, the campaign really seems to be listening. And so this week you saw a real market change when, you know, she actually went on the plane. She's shaking hands with um, the print photographers who've been following her around for 18 months. And I think actually it's gone pretty well for the first three days. And it's kind of baffling to me why they didn't do this sooner. I don't think that she's half as bad with the media as the campaign, and she seems to think that she is. Now, when you're following her around and you're doing what they call pool reports, you're sending out these reports mm-hmm. on what happened to all of these journalists who signed up. Uh, you know, a lot of them are very anodyne and they have things like Hillary Clinton waved at the crowd and stuff that, quite frankly, people aren't interested in. But yesterday there was a story about oranges. What was that all about? Uh, so basically this was on the second day on the plane and the reporters who have been trying to ask her questions for all these months and she famously has not been giving a press conference, uh, they decided to try a new tactic, which was now that they're on the same plane with her to roll oranges with questions on them to the front of the plane where she was sitting. So what the question uh, on the orange that got the response was, uh, who would you rather have dinner with, Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump? And the orange came back to the journalist side of the plane and it said Vladimir Putin. But then the campaign was quick to clarify that she meant, who have I had dinner with, not who would I have dinner with. Um, But it's it's nice to see her kind of interacting with the press in a way that she hasn't in the past. Yeah. 
And so I guess at, at the, I mean, you asked about the forum, I mean, it was kind of 30 minutes each. They were asked questions by the moderator, then it was opened up to the veterans who were in the audience who were hosting it. You know, Clinton faced a lot of questions about her email saga, her record in government, uh, her support for the war in Iraq. Uh, and she has a longer record to defend, so it was kind of more precise questioning. Uh, Trump doesn't have a record, so it was a little bit different, but he was quite bizarre. I mean, his questions were softball, but he managed to trash talk the chairman of the, the basically the top military advisors to the president, um, which is something normally any candidate for president would never do. And he also basically kind of bigged up Vladimir Putin and, and you know, made Obama look bad. I and mean, it was quite surreal. And yet Trump's numbers with veterans are holding up. He's actually got a bigger lead over Clinton among the veterans, I should say. I think a lot of the focus has been on the moderator, Matt Lauer, and criticism that so much of Hillary Clinton's questioning uh, focused on her emails and stuff that wasn't directly related to the military and defense, whereas you said some of Donald Trump's questions were more softball um, and seemed to be more about his credentials to be commander-in-chief, which he was easily able to answer and say, yes, I'm ready. Um, I'm ready to do the job. And it, those complaints haven't just been from the Clinton camp. It's from you know, reporters covering it as well. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see kind of how she responds to this and how she plays to it. I think it gives us a really interesting window into what the debates are going to be like. Um, you know, in the summer, her poll numbers were obviously very strong, very high. He was kind of floundering a bit. Um, but the poll numbers are tightening now, now that it's September. And I think people underestimate how well he's going to do in the debates. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be fascinating. Um, other issue we have is uh, kind of a he, he did, she did, uh, mm-hmm. back and forth, uh, my scandal, your scandal. So Trump has been hitting Clinton for months saying that uh, at the State Department, she basically had a pay-for-play scheme where anyone who donated to Bill Clinton's foundation got preferential access at the State Department. Now, there isn't a lot of evidence to back up that, although there's a lot of emails that make it look questionable, some of the practices that they did. But now it emerges that Trump donated $25,000 three years ago to the Attorney General of Florida, who was seeking re-election. So he's coming under a lot of pressure. People are saying, hold on a second. She was, her name is Pam Bondi. She was deciding whether to launch an investigation into Trump University, which is this controversial private college that supposedly taught people how to get rich from real estate, but is allegedly uh, ripping off students. Trump gives her the money, and a few days later, she decides not to open an investigation. Now, Trump and Bondi both say there was no connection. They never talked about it. But it makes it a little bit harder for him to attack the Clintons uh, when he's got this on his radar. And I think two other interesting things to note. Um, not only did Trump give her money, her, his daughter, Ivanka, also gave her a donation. Um, and she was an early backer of Trump once he announced his candidacy for president. I mean, so it's interesting to see the Trump campaign respond to this. You know, they always say, well, it's different. He he was a private citizen. You know, she was Clinton. She was a public figure and an elected official um, or not elected official, but appointed official. So it's different. Um, but it definitely kind of reverses the situation a bit. Finally, um, Clinton and Powell. So, you know, again, back to the Clinton email scandal, it emerged that Colin Powell sent an email to Hillary Clinton shortly after she became the State Department Secretary of State in which he kind of described how he used personal email, how he tried to circumvent some of the State Department rules so that they couldn't uh, kind of curtail his activities. And, of course, the Democrats are now using that to show that Hillary Clinton was not the only one who was breaching the rules. And, uh, you know, it's... It's probably the be- it's probably the best defense she's had so far. Absolutely, and it's it's very convenient that it was not leaked by the campaign. It was leaked by a, a friendly Democrat. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's this vindication. You know, Colin Powell was saying, oh, I didn't send her the email till a year after she was already Secretary of State and, and set up the private email, um, whereas this email clearly was, you know, her first week as Secretary of State. But as you were pointing out earlier, Colin Powell did not have a private server in his home. That's right. So uh, we've only got eight weeks to the election. Not that we're counting. Incredible, given that we've been on the trail since March of last year. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find our full story on the Arizona border and a great video that shows the drug traffickers coming across Jim Chilton's land. Uh, That will be online uh, over the weekend. And go to ft.com slash polls for our election forecast, the latest polls, and to get a better understanding of which states are in play. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Dimi, D-I-M-I, and Courtney's at Courtney underscore FT. And be sure to sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, which is White House Countdown. And you can find that at ft.com forward slash NBE. And that stands for News by Email. So again, ft.com forward slash NBE. And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.